Welcome back to Arm Analysis. I'm your host, Molly Higgins, joined by... Rolando Martinez. And Andres Vandez. Today we are going to be discussing two slave narratives, Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass by Frederick Douglass, and Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl by Harriet Jacobs. Both of these people were slaves who eventually escaped and wrote their narratives as part of a key literary movement leading up to the Civil War, when the topic of slavery divided the nation. Slave narratives opened an uninformed audience up to the personal realities of slave life and turned many people toward the abolitionist movement. We will be discussing some very sensitive topics in this podcast. However, we feel it is crucial to bring up these issues as some of them have had long-lasting effects seen in society to this day. Please enjoy the show. So first I'll be giving a summary of narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass. So Frederick Douglass was born into a brutal plantation slave life, and he was basically an orphan. His father was white, um, but he wasn't involved. And his mother was a slave, and she could barely see him um, until she died when he, when he was six. And as a child, he's um, given to a couple in the city. And in the city, his life is relatively better than it was on the plantation. Um, this is partially due to... Um, the slave owners worried about their reputation, treating their slaves um, cruelly. So the slave owner's wife is very kind at first, and he, and she teaches Frederick Douglass how to read. But then she's stopped when her husband tells her not to. And after that, she becomes more cruel after having a slave. So through his own determination, he learns to read from the local boys on the streets. And reading gives him awareness of his social situation makes him want to achieve freedom, escape slavery. After his master dies, he's given to another master who thinks that Douglas is unmanageable. He's like a teenager at this point and gives him to a slave breaker, so-called, who basically does everything he can to destroy his will. And this inhumane treatment nearly takes all the spirit out of Douglas. And so one day he finally resists the slave breaker and they get into a fight, and Douglas wins, and the slave breaker never whips him again because he wants to keep his reputation as a slave breaker. So then Douglas is rented to William Freeland, who is a more relaxed slave owner, and here he begins to educate his fellow slaves on how to read through a um, quote-unquote religious Sunday school. Some of them even plan to escape to the north, but this plan doesn't end up working. And now this is the summary of Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl by Harriet Jacobs. So Harriet Jacobs, who is also called Linda, is born as a slave, but her father works outside of the home. So she gets to have a home life with her family when she's young. And she also lives near her grandmother, who um, is very prominent. She's a free free black and she um, gives her family a lot of support. Her mother dies when she is six, and so she goes to live with her mistress, who is really kind to her, but um, when the mistress dies, um, uh, Linda slash Harriet Jacobs hopes that she will free her, but she does not. She gives her to her five-year-old niece, and Harriet has to go live with that family, and they're more cruel to her. It's a really difficult adjustment, and as she gets older, her mistress's father, um, Dr. Flint, begins to sexually harass her, like proposition her, and try to get her to obey his orders. Um, So as the harassment gets worse, as she gets older, 
the master's wife gets involved because she's jealous. And so she interrogates Jacobs and forces her to sleep in her own room and like watches her obsessively to um, constantly be observing her. However, this doesn't have any effect on the actions of Dr. Flint. Um, so at the age of 15, um, Harriet falls in love with a free black man and they want to get married. But Dr. Flint becomes violent when he finds out and threatens to kill uh, Harriet or her lover. Um, so that doesn't work out. And continuing to try to force Harriet to submit to him, Dr. Flint plans to build her a cottage in the woods so she'd be completely isolated. In order to escape this, she becomes close with a white man and eventually seduces him. And then she soon reveals to Dr. Flint that she is pregnant with that man's baby. And he becomes really violent against her and uh, runs her out of the house. And her grandmother, who's always supported her, also becomes angry because she has lost her purity. And losing her purity is very difficult. It's a decision that she has always tried to maintain, but this is just what she had to do. Eventually, um, later in her life, as her children are growing up, she is forced to live in hiding from Dr. Flint, who is out looking for her. And um, she is forced to live with little contact in the outside world, including her own children, because she is kept in a very small attic for seven years. And her children were bought by her father, so they are free, but they do not um, know that their mother, uh, they don't know the whereabouts of their mother. So we are fresh full of Subway, and we're ready to discuss how Douglas's slave narrative is unique to him because it exemplifies the gender differences in being a slave. So Douglas, obviously being a man, um, his uh, experience is different from that of Jacob's due to the gender roles of slaves, which are very obvious. So, um, so um, when we talk about Douglas's concept of freedom, we're the, his idea of what freedom is to him when he's, you know, when he's pining to be in the North, it's unique to him because it um, is relevant to the meaning of manhood, being a man. And, you know, in those times, like, being a person was basically considered the equivalent of being a man. Like, what we th would think of as being a person, to them, that would be being a man because women had a separate rule. For, so, for right now, we're just going to talk about um, Douglas's uh, concept of manhood and how that is shown. So for example, um, this quote is from when he is at the Breakers Plantation. He is just like on the brink of like losing all of his will to live and he's watching some some ships go by and he's like talking to the ships and he says, you are loosed from your moorings and are free. I am fast in my chains and am a slave. So what does this quote mean to you guys? Um, I, to begin with, I, I really like, um, the expressions he used in, in this section. He's very, he seems very passionate and, um, I think it just demonstrates how his condition really not necessarily made him desperate, but it made him realize that other inanimate objects such as ships had more freedom than a human, which is a life. And I think that's, that's something very, very inhumane that happened with this peculiar institution. Yeah, um... So this is referring more to like basically our basic concept of freedom because as a slave, Douglas just like literally cannot like physically do what he wants. He's like physically confined 
to this location and so that's like that represents just like the physical like I can't even imagine that feeling of just like being stuck in one place and like you're like you're confined there for the rest of your life like you can never you can never move in a way that's not controlled by another human being so that's really like what like like to be like a full man like Douglas would have to like like make his own decisions about where to go what to do yeah, I completely agree, although I also think that Douglas sought freedom in a diverse way. Um, like, for example, when uh, I hear a lot of kids today whine and about going to school and focusing on their education and the ability of learning to read in Douglas's life was his key to freedom. Um, like, for instance, uh, he narrates that during his life in the city, um, he used bread to bestow upon the hungry little urchins when a tune would give him that more valuable bread of knowledge. So it was just really surprising to me that he would give up his food in order to achieve a skill that would, um, that would like, that would not only give him physical freedom, but also this quote refers to mental freedom. Like humans aren't just like physical beings. We're also we also have like minds and so like it's not like it's almost worse for them that they that for Douglas that he was um being like physically like mentally held back than being physically confined to ones uh, because the reading is what really like gave him that like urge to find freedom so going along with the with Douglas's idea of freedom of being a man that also goes hand in hand with his concept of resistance. So the ways that he fought against that uh, that pressure, that confinement, and the way and his resistance. These are the ways that he became that he became a man, so to speak. So for one instance, is even when he was at a young age, not so not really considered like a man yet, but already starting to take responsibility for his independence where it says, um, this is after his mistress told him that he wasn't, like, allowed to read anymore. Um, but he consi- he he consistently um, sought that knowledge. And so he said, mistress, in teaching me the alphabet, had given me the inch, and no precaution could prevent me from taking the L. So what he's saying here is that um, he had had this, this beginning of his knowledge and that like planted like a seed in his mind because now now that he can read he can like he knows he knows about um his his social his social standing and so now he is going he he's learning how to read yeah so um adding on to that and andres's thoughts um reading was not only a form of freedom for him a mental freedom but it was also a form of resistance if if we remember Reading was not allowed for slaves, but why was that? As that first quote said, reading allowed Douglas to take that that step even further. It, it allowed him to do bigger things in life. And this next quote uh, also gives insight into that. It says, I devoted three evenings in the week during the winter to teaching the slaves at home. And I have the happiness to know that several of those who came to Sabbath school learned how to read. And that one, at least, is now free through my agency. So for Douglas, this impact of him teaching other slaves was even more powerful because he knew that he was making an impact not only in his life, but also in other slaves' life. Uh, So this also allows him to be 
uh, in some ways, I guess, more credible uh, because it, sh- it demonstrates his audience that he was not selfish. He was very selfless and he cared about other human beings as well in like in the same situation. When he finds his own manhood, he's not just saying like he's the only like good slave, the only real man of a slave. It's everyone deserves to know their own humanity. Everyone deserves to have that freedom. And that's how it's res- resistance. And um, just to compare his forms of freedom or his thought of freedom and his forms of resistance, um, like Molly said, um, his uh, he gained his freedom from like mental development and not physical. And it's the same with resistance. Um, he gained this through learning to read and through um, and religiously too. And while you would think that um, resistance would be more like physical, like like physically, um, like fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, physical resistance was one of, uh, I think, in people's minds is the first thing that pops up. Uh, slave rebellions, for example, uh, I know in American history, we learned about Nats rebellion, Nat Turner rebellion, something where there's physical fighting. But in this case, reading was a different form of resistance because it did defy the entire slave institution because it was illegal for slaves. And that wasn't part of fear of whites because they thought they were going to eventually learn how to read and in turn lead to that physical rebellion um and while most of his resistance was like mental and not physical there's a little bit of physical resistance when he states that i did not hesitate to let it be known of me that the white man who expected to succeed me in whipping me must also succeed in killing me or in other words um he was beat a lot by mr cubby since he was known for his back breaking of slaves um, it's important to know that, uh, when, when Douglas fought back against, Miss, uh, against Covey, uh, Covey didn't actually, um, beat him again. And I think this was because of his, he wanted to preserve his, his reputation. Yeah, his reputation. yeah exactly. And this is just an example of how, like, um, because, as always throughout like our culture and throughout our history, like men have been known to like be like the fighters being very physically strong. And so this is him reclaiming his manhood because he has constantly been beat down upon. And this isn't just like physical either. This is also moral because the, Oh, it's always considered right for a white man to be a black man because black men were considered less moral and so that the white man would always be always be justified. But this is him saying, like, no, you can't just be down on me without me, like, without me beating back. And this is him by fighting back. He's claiming his like his physical and his moral manhood in that sense. And so do you guys have anything else to add? Yeah, well, <clears throat> in my opinion, when when reading this, the, the first time I was reading uh, his actual resistance, uh, it was very, I, I was, it was very intriguing because it's, for me, it was like, I love seeing how he did rebel and he got the urge to say, no, I'm going to be a man now and I'm not going to be subordinate to you. And I thought that that was one of the key moments in this, in his narrative. Uh, so yeah, so in a question that I had, what do you guys think or how does this appeal to the audience? So this appeals to the audience because the audience, Frederick Douglass's audience is more of like a white northern male audience. Um, they would be 
react they would be the ones reading reacting to this and all this like coming of age stuff like for example today we have young adult novels that appeal to like young people teenagers coming of age and now we have those in like boys and girls books but that was like we said because of the gender roles men were like considered the they were considered how would you say like the default in society while women were considered like an other so so Douglas when he's talking about growing up um becoming a man he uses the words coming a man a lot or like how he's like becoming from a brute into a man and so his audience like can empathize with that just how people empathize with today with young adult novels like all the all the things that come with becoming your own person like the men in this would be able to relate to that and they would be able to relate, to relate to the feeling of being like young and not and not being able to choose their future and not being able to control their lives yet but unlike Douglas at a certain age they get to, to take control of their own personhood and Douglas doesn't get that so this would turn the northern audience against slavery for that reason. So now we're going to talk about Harriet Jacobs and how her idea of freedom relates to women's roles. So when we were talking about Frederick Douglass's idea of freedom, it sounded kind of normal. Like, I, I would say, like, pretty much everybody would say that they want to have freedom by being able to, like, move around where they want to and be able to have independent, like, independence in their thinking. That seems pretty normal. But the contrast really comes in with Jacobs because her idea of freedom really is centering around the eighteen the 1800s idea of the cult of domesticity. So in the 1800s, women were um, considered to have power within the home, within their family, within their relationships to their husband, to their children. And so throughout Harriet Jacobs' story, we see her really wanting to find happiness and control um, within her relationships to other people, specifically um, with her relationship to her her um, her lover, the free black man, or eventually the the man who fathers her children. So um, this is just related to how uh, women's worth was really seen in their relationship to other people. And so because women's worth was seen in their relationship to other people, Harriet Jacobs really wanted to control, her idea of freedom was controlling those relationships. Um, so in this quote, um, when she's explaining why she, uh, why she had those relationships with that, um, with that white man, she says, there's something akin to freedom in having a lover who has no control over you, except that which he gains by kindness and attachment. So, I mean, if you think about it, really, Harriet Jacobs had, like, a pretty, like, happy childhood. It's just when she was, um, under the control of Dr. Flint's family, Dr. Flint's, like, predatory behavior toward her um she she found herself um wanting to like submit I mean not wanting to submit to this man and be like in a relationship with with this man she wanted to control who she was in love with and also this also goes into not only were women's roles defined by their relationship to others but they were also defined um by being like very moral and so by choosing her own relationship, she could also maintain her morals because obviously she didn't want to submit to Dr. Flint because then she would be um, 
having relations before marriage and she didn't want to give up that moral part of herself um so yeah what are your guys's thoughts on her idea of freedom yeah i agree that the lifestyle of women was controlled in the 1800s by the cult of domesticity um i think an example of this was also shown in douglas just to compare um when he goes to the city and lives with a lives with a family there um the woman's uh, really nice at first yes the wife is really nice at first however um once uh her husband uh finds out that um she is teaching douglas how to read um he becomes really really angry really angry with her yeah and this makes her um completely change her attitudes towards slavery and stops teaching him how to read and even worse becomes really evil to him in like simple terms yeah, and I think that's an example of how um, gender roles were used as a tool in both of these narratives, um, because they because slavery because the their goal is to tell the audience that slavery is bad, and so they use the audience's ideas of what makes a good woman, um, and like uses that in different ways to see how it's being threatened. So in, in Jacobs, um, her own morals are being threatened by slavery. And in uh, Douglas's, um, the wife's morals like completely changed because of slavery. Yeah, and um, in the text, I think it does mention uh, how, or what he's trying to get at Douglas is the fact that slavery does in fact corrupt uh, northern uh, the purity of northern women. So that's I think one of the appeals he tried to get at. Yeah. So just like with Douglas. Uh, Jacobs's ideas of freedom tie hand in hand with her resistance. So what are your guys' thoughts on how she resisted slavery? Yeah, so um, one of the, the ways that she did resist was by actually not being, um, I guess, verbally and physically submissive to Dr. Flint. Uh, for instance, in this quote, uh, she states that, As for Dr. Flint, I had a feeling of satisfaction and triumph in the thought of telling him. I told him I would never enter it, referring to the cottage. So by her standing up for herself and saying that she's not going to enter it, she's standing. She's not only standing up for, for herself, but she's not being submissive. And by this, she does resist not only Dr. Flint, but the entire slave institution. Which is not to say that, like, women, like, weren't expected to be submissive because they were. It's just that, like, she was protecting her morals because he was trying to do um, unbiblical things with her. Yeah. Yeah, something else I wanted to add was that... Um, in Jacob's narrative, it was her situation was a little different than um, than with Douglas's, in terms of like her forms of not only her forms of resistance but like the support she had in the background. Um, Douglas, he didn't really ever have like family. I mean, I guess later in the story, he like makes friends in the plantation and tries to run away with them, but with Jacob's, um, she like she has a lot more like more of that like family support, even though her mother and the mistress she likes, um, they died when she was really young. Even though that happened, um, she was still, she still had her grandma. Um, however, this was kind of even, um, it was even a, a disadvantage um, because when, um, when she became pregnant, um, her grandmother uh, 
was really unsupportive of it and was actually angry at her because she had lost her purity, basically. Yeah, and purity was one of those high morals and it was very esteemed, especially in her family and with her religion. Yeah, and we can also see this um, when she gets the chi- when she gets her children uh, christened. Um, the quote from that part of the story is, "Now is the time we will take the children to church and have them christened." And so, this is really an appeal to the audience, the Christian audience, because she is really still claiming these Christian morals for herself and for her children even though um, her master didn't want her to, which is just an ex- another example of why slavery is like ruining Christian morals or ruining morals that the audience has in place. And so one of the most major uh, methods of resistance that Jacobs had in this story is when she um, went and seduced Mr. Sands. And this one is different than the other than the other methods of resistance that we've already talked about because this actually goes against Christian morals, but it still goes along with that cult of domesticity because she just really wanted to control her relationships. And it's like, it's like she was almost looking for that white man to protect her because he was the only one who would have had uh, any authority, any sort of status that could protect her from Dr. Flint. And so it says, um, it seems less degrading to give oneself than to submit to compulsion. And this is just really, again, showing how she really wants to control her relationships with other people. Um, and just that women in that time just felt that they needed to give themselves, that they, that that was, um, that was what they just needed to do in that time, is their relationship to others. So now it's time for our section where we connect what we learned, what we read about in these slave narratives to the modern world. And just a disclaimer, we are in no way like implying that any problems that we have faced are as bad as slavery because slavery was obviously just like the, the worst thing ever. And so we will acknowledge that things have progressed and things have changed since then. However, uh, so progress in society is slow and there's always things that can be changed that um, were also evident in these slave narratives. So what I want to talk about is the is the sexual harassment toward Harriet Jacobs from Dr. Flint and also like her reaction to it. And the way her the way she mainly resisted was by having an affair or having not an affair, but just a relationship and getting pregnant by a, another man, like a white man. Um because white men in that time, they were the ones with the status. They were the ones who were really considered people. And so for this slave woman who is like the opposite of that, she has no power. And so the only reason, the only way that she can get any sort of power through resi- through um, uh, through this resistance is because she of her relationship to a white man. And when I when I saw this, when I read about this, it reminded me of today how when girls in modern day are getting harassed, like sexually harassed by men or just hit on by men, they will often say to defend themselves, they will say, I have a boyfriend. Like I know I've done that um, a couple times in my life. And it doesn't feel good to say like if you're, especially if you're lying, but it's just 
you know it's the most effective way because because of this considering of personhood. Like, obviously, a slave woman was not considered a person back then. But even today, even though women have made improvements in their rights, women are considered less than a person when their consent is denied, when their, when their no is denied. Because in that case, a man who's hitting on that girl is going to respect her boyfriend, not her. He's not saying, he's not backing off because of her no. He's backing off because he's respecting another man's so-called property. And so that's just something that I really related to that I could see that, that I could see um, the similarity. And I also can relate to somehow to how Harriet feels in this case, because like having a boyfriend, even as like, I mean, I'm a pretty, I'm like a privileged, like white girl, but even like in this society where like men are like still being like predators, predators toward women, having that like security of like having like a man in your life who could like somehow, who could like somehow like shield you from that just like by just by being in your life that's just an example of how far we still have to go with like proving that women are people and that their voices matter not just their boyfriends or husbands yeah so um my connection to the modern world would be um the fact of actually learning a new language and expressing yourself through it so uh, obviously this is in no way comparable to what Douglas had to go through, uh, especially since it was under extreme circumstances. However, um, there's a slight connection I can make to him. Um, just learning a new language, uh, English that is, it opens a ton of doors with millions of opportunities and it is, an, it is seen as a way of freedom for me personally. Uh, knowing Spanish as a child was, um, well, it's like, I guess I lived it as a normal child, but knowing that in society, people did not speak that language, it was a different language, and I had to conform to society, it was kind of terrifying. It could, it could have been seen as an obstacle. However, I'm very, very grateful that now I know how to speak English, I know how to write it, and it has opened a ton of doors for me. How about you, Andres? Yeah, I... I have the exact same connection because I can also relate to it uh, very personally. Um, I actually immigrated here to the States uh, when I was six. So that was, I was, I, Spanish was my uh, first language and I still sometimes struggle with English. Um, yeah, English is definitely like uh, almost like a way to freedom, just to say it in simple words, because like, English is just like the superior language of the world, basically. Um, like, for example, let's say you studied um, you studied some major in Spanish, like at a college in like some Spanish-speaking country. It wouldn't count like as much here in the states. It's just yeah. not as relatable because it's not. It's every other language is basically inferior. Yeah. Um, something else I can relate to is that well, my parents are still. Um, Illiterate, illiterate with English, and so I have to help them a lot with translations. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, I'm sure you have that yeah, connection too. Yeah, time. just with every like personal matter, you have to help them with it. And I think I could connect that with um, Douglas's uh, when he in the in the part where he where he taught other slaves um, how to read uh, through his like religious school. Mm -hmm. I think that like I could 
also be doing something similar to my parents because I'm teaching them that superior language. Yeah. So this has been our podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening. Any final thoughts, guys? Yeah, so um, in no way uh, are we comparing the fact that one was worse uh, than the other because they were both very extreme situations. Um, And both of these narratives showed a different perspective of manhood and womanhood. Yeah, I think it's really important to uh, go back in history to these kinds of topics. Yeah. Because they're still somehow prevalent in the modern world. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Molly, did, did you have a favorite piece between these two? I think my favorite in terms of reading had to be Harriet Jacobs because her her condition was just very interesting. I just maybe that's because I could like relate to her more obviously not saying I can relate to a slave because I can't but like just her experience of womanhood was just like so interesting Um, and really sad too but I just found it more interesting than Douglas. Um, You Andres? Um well, I did like reading Harriet Jacobs more. I think I could uh, relate a little more to Douglas's narrative. Mm-hmm. Just the things he, like, attempts to do when he's a slave. Like, he attempts to run away and just things like that. Yeah. Uh, I could definitely, like you, relate more to Douglas. Uh, not yeah. a lot, but and a lot more than with Jacobs. But I did enjoy reading uh, Jacobs and her entire uh, perspective. Hmm. You guys can relate more to Douglas, but I can relate more to Jacobs. I wonder why. Hmm. Thanks for tuning in.